Hello, I'm Murray Newlands, your host of the How To CEO podcast. When you decided to become a CEO, the world changed. You can either build an amazing company or you can crash and burn. Becoming a great CEO is really hard. And in this show, we hope to bring you experts who can give you the knowledge and advice and expertise you need in order to be an amazing CEO. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how to build a great story for your company and what CEOs need to know about storytelling. I am delighted to be joined today by Chris Brogan. Chris has, I've known Chris for years. He helped me out um, tremendously when I was early on in my career, uh, both just with reading his material, watching how he worked and the way he built a community and told stories, as well as he wrote the introduction uh, to my first book. Uh, so I have many things to thank you for. So Chris, uh, with that interest, and please also, you tell uh, people about yourself. Murray, I was thinking about one of the first times we spent any real amount of time together, and it was in Orlando at uh, Ted Murphy's event. And I was straight guy flirting with you uh, because I loved your shirt and I loved your look and I loved your energy. And I just said, my gosh, the world needs a lot more Murray Newlands. And Thank you. I was just smitten by you and it's never really changed since then. So, you know, what anyone would ever need to know about me is that no matter what my title or company or role or anything I've done, I've done the same thing since I started doing things professionally, which was how do I help people use technology to drive better human interaction? Everything I've done, no matter what, always lands on that one thing because I love these various technologies artificial intelligence, augmented reality, all of these things that are so exciting, but only if it makes people feel like they're, we're so tired of fitting in and we want to go where we belong. And so that's the kind of thing I'm trying to solve for, for companies. And so what does a CEO need to know about that? How do they do that? How do they, well, firstly, how do they start to even think about that? What's the mindset there? Well, so the world has changed a little and it's, so cliche to say that, but it's true. One of the things that's changed dramatically is that we spend, because we have everything we need, no one is losing out on things they need. We're just looking around for the thing we want or the thing that does something better or whatever. So when we have infinite choice or seemingly infinite choice, people are spending more money with companies where they feel that, it, that the company aligns with their values and their vision and their views and their identity. So, uh, for instance, there's Uber and there's Lyft, and Uber is kind of the more common name brand, but uh, Uber had a lot of trouble dealing with um, misogyny uh, challenges and quotes about people saying that they were not very nice to women. So people like me chose Lyft because we wanted to support a company that was, had a better record with women, and you know, all allegedly, let's say. Um, there are many other products out there that exist where we could buy one or another. We could buy Nike, uh, and that means one thing and we could buy Adidas. So Nike has Colin Kaepernick and he's uh, trying to argue for the rights of people against bad police officers, not all police officers, just anti-police brutality. Some people, that's a stand. They can't buy Nike. Instead, maybe they go with Adidas who chose to uh, sell their brand where they're cleaning up the ocean. So they sold over 2 million pairs of shoes made out of ocean waste. So a CEO can't just be thinking, did I make the right team? Am I building the minimum viable product? When they're raising and when they're out selling and marketing, when they finally are ready to deliver, their story has to align with who they really are, what they really believe in. There was another retail example, Chick-fil-A uh, sells a sandwich. 
and it's a chicken sandwich and who cares it's a chicken sandwich and everyone says it's one of the best in the world. But they were also donating lots of money to anti-LGBTQ causes. And so certain people who had a very strong affinity, like myself, to people in the LGBT community would not go to a Chick-fil-A. Popeyes comes and says, we love gay people and here's our chicken sandwich. And they sell so much that people start shooting people to get Popeye sandwiches. That's the demand, that's the craze. True story. So Murray, stories aren't nice to have soft things and stories aren't pitch deck material. Stories are the DNA transfer, meaning your company does all these things, but a story has to move it. And we think better in stories than in any other kind of vessel of information. So how do you, as a CEO, go about creating that story? And how do you start to think about that? What's the, where should you start? So where a lot of companies get it wrong, and it's sort of uh, counterintuitive, is that a lot of times CEOs or people trying to think about the story of their company look down at their belly buttons, and they try to think about themselves, and they, they navel gaze, you see, and they think, um, who are we and what do we stand for and what's our crazy color and what's the best font? That's not a story. The story is the question of who are we to the people we serve? So I love the company Yeti who makes the Yeti mugs. They also make Yeti thermoses and all, and, and all kinds of camping gear. But the mugs to me, they say, you're the kind of person who wants to get outside. You need something rugged and you love the functionality of this thing. And we are expensive. We cost more than the competitor, but it works really well. And you are going to brag for us, right? So they're telling my story, not the mug story. They're saying, you're the kind of person who. So the first thing in the story, no matter what you sell, you could sell toilet seats. But the thing is, I'm the kind of person who, or the person who buys this is the kind of person who, you know, and, and that's really the first part of story. And then beyond that, there's, there's ways to look at it. There's so many people out there doing it different ways. So maybe we'll get into that a little too. Yeah, I would love your thoughts on who are some people who are doing it well and how do they do that? So I have a friend, Donald Miller. Donald Miller wrote one of my favorite books in the world. So much so, and we've all done this, especially we who are authors. We all buy someone's book and send it to friends and we get excited and so we buy some more and we send it to some more friends. Well, I was buying them two, three, four at a time and the book at the time was called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. Donald was... Uh, a Christian writer writing kind of questioning things, Christian type work. And he wrote a very famous book called Blue Like Jazz. And when they decided to make a movie out of Blue Like Jazz, Donald said, well, I guess I'll play me. And they said, well, you're kind of boring, which is something you never want to hear in your life. And so he wrote this book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, sort of what did he do with that feedback? And I loved it so much. At the time, Michael Hyatt, who now has a totally different job, he was the publisher who published A Million Miles. He sent me a personal email and said, you keep buying these books a few at a time. Can I just send you a case? And I said, <laughs> yes. And that started a friendship. Donald and I met in Portland, Oregon. I came down for his, I think, second ever Story Brand Conference, which is his big thing now. And so he has a book called Story Brand, very worth buying, etc. He's one. I have friends, Christopher Lockhead and a whole bunch of other names, uh, Kevin Maines and a whole bunch of other people who wrote this book called Play Bigger, Category Design. My friend Mike Damphouse is involved in that as well. Disclosure, Mike and I work at Mike's company, Category Design Advisors. Sometimes I work for them. 
That's Mike's company. Um, they do it a different way. And I just went through that process with a, a startup and it was exciting because, you know, you go into a building, these people have been at this for months. You would figure they would know their story fairly well. Um, and they do, but then we kind of told it a new way and there were tears and there was excitement and applause and all these things because once you feel like it's so under, this is true of all humans. When we feel understood, we go, oh, this is so much better. Like I, now I feel like I can do the thing I want to do because I'm not fighting you. There's no friction between me. Another good book, by the way, by Roger Dooley, Friction. Um, there's nothing between me and delivering this thing I need to deliver. And so how important do you think it is to get that, um, that external advice, challenging input and thesis into your storytelling uh, process? Well, and, and again, I, I never try to sound selly sell, uh, but this category design thing, I just went through the process. So I, I feel a little bit evangelism-y. Um, so one of the things they said is once you start to be able to explain the category, I'll, I'll give you a really quick explanation of category. Yeah. Clarence Birdseye, before he existed and, and put his product out into the market, there was no freezer aisle. There was no such thing as frozen foods. People had ice boxes. There were no frozen dinners or frozen foods. Birdseye invented frozen foods. And if I said to you, name a frozen food company, it's the only one you'd name. You might say Green Giant. That's all you got. Two, right? But he designed the category. Um, Bose designed the category noise cancellation headphones. Although they called it something totally different. Everyone else called it that. And now Bose is the category leader in noise cancellation. So the process of that, you, no one wants to own the category. They just want to be the number one of the category. You technically right. want other people to be in that category. Otherwise, you're sort of all by yourself out in the wild, right? So right. it's so important because it gives a kind of handle. I always have this idea of give your ideas handles. And I think of like a little briefcase. And if I say to you, Murray, Category design is this thing I do. You can now walk off and say, oh, Chris, I was just talking to Chris and he does this thing with Mike and it's called category design. Do you know about it? And you can explain it. Before that, when you're the CEO, you might have the coolest thing in the world. And if you're just calling it, well, it's like Skype for podcasts. Okay, we heard Skype, we heard podcasts, we kind of get it. But yeah. we're also just thinking about Skype and podcasts now. We're not thinking of the thing you just made. And so... Uh, especially if your thing is esoteric. If your thing is even just a tiny bit way off of from what someone really needs until they know they need it, you need to come up with language for it. You need to come up with the storyline and people need to see themselves in that story. I said this earlier, I'm going to repeat it. Um, we're, people are really sick of trying to fit in. We want to go where we feel we belong. Belong is way bigger than fit in. Fit in is when we go to school and we don't say the thing we want to say because we know we're going to get made fun of. Fit in is when we don't tell our friends the music we really like, even though we really like it, but we sure don't want them to make fun of us. Fit in is our whole life up into a certain point. And then we finally go, woo, screw everything. And that's why everyone like goes gay in their 40s and 50s. That's why everyone changes their life dramatically as they get older. They're just so sick of fitting in that they lose their mind and have to become their real them. And I think we could skip a lot of steps and you could be a 20-something CEO or a 70-something CEO if you realize that if you could find other people who feel like they belong with that story you want to tell, then we're all going to get along so much better. 
And then how do you test that? Did you just keep telling that story to different people and, and see how they react to it? Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's so fun because it's almost like the way stand-up comedy works as well. You need to see nodding heads. If you are talking and everyone's smiling politely or looking at their phone as well, that's not right. You need nodding heads. You need focus. And oh my gosh, if a notebook comes out, I mean, think about going to when you're doing raising, right? Think when you're going around and asking uh, VCs to part with their money. They're so bored out of their minds half the time. They're sitting there going, it's like worse than Shark Tank. And they're forever just thinking, this is not novel. This is not interesting. These people did no research. And 90 something percent of pitches they see in any given day are that. 90 plus every given day, all the time. And then you show up and you're unique, but they've already written your story for you unless you sound like you know what you're talking about. And if you come in and you pitch poorly, which is why Murray has a show, if you come in and you do the worst job ever of trying to explain what you do, then they're already, they're done. They're not giving you the money. It could be Absolutely. the most important thing in the world. Absolutely. So this product we worked on, I don't know if, I don't even know if I can talk about it, but it's, it's, uh, it's it designed in the home. And it basically, the only thing I'll say is it basically gives your home a memory. And so everyone talks about smart homes. Smart homes are so stupid. You can ask Alexa to change, you know, turn off the light or whatever, which is smart. But, you know, did the roof get repaired in 2020 or did the roof get repaired in 2018? No one can tell you. What color is the kid's bedroom? You don't know. The home has so much it needs to tell you and it doesn't know how to do it. Did the builder actually use the faucet you asked for? You don't know, right? So they had to come up with language that explained this in a way that made it not sound like something you plugged into Alexa. They had to make it sound like something that wasn't just some kind of record keeping system because that's boring. And so they needed words and they needed language and they needed people to go, oh, I wouldn't even want a home like that if it didn't like this. And I'll, I'll give you one other line that we came up with, which was soon enough, people are going to think if, if you don't have this product in your home, it's going to be the same as going into a house and finding that there's an outhouse instead of a toilet. And that was one of those lines where people all went, Mm-hmm. Yeah, nodded like their heads. Yeah, for people listening, it's nodding heads, um, and it's really that's what you're aiming for. And 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 there's so many ways to practice it, but really the work is in kind of working on it and practicing it and talking to people, and you know just don't print the shirt and don't get the tattoo until you're really sure that you want to tell the same story repeatedly. That's amazing advice, Chris. If people want to connect with you, how do they do that? I am reasonably easy to find Chris at chrisbrogan.com. Just go to chrisbrogan.com. I always tell people, grab my newsletter. If you get a few weeks of my newsletter and you like what you read, you'll go, I want to talk to that guy more. That's what I say. Chris, amazing as ever to speak to you. I cannot uh, recommend enough to go to Chris's site, uh, check it out and subscribe to his newsletter. You've been listening to the How to CEO podcast. I'm your host, Murray Newlands, and I've been with me, Chris Brogan. And I will see you next time.